Hey, what's up? It's Brandon Laws, host of Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for the download today. You're going to love this episode. I had a conversation with Mallory Nicole. She is an executive coach, a coach of senior leaders and entrepreneurs. And I asked her the question, you know, what's what's going on with leaders right now? What's on their mind? What's What are their challenges? Are they balancing work and, and life? And how are they doing? Uh, because that also that translates to the workplace, how they treat their people. Are they there for their people? How are they showing up at work? What are they not telling their employees? All those things. And then, of course, you know, if you're a senior leader yourself, you probably want to know how to balance your time appropriately, how to balance out work and life, how to treat people, how much to tell them, all of those things. And uh, Mallory provides a lot of great insight. And I think you're going to really love what she has to say. We talk early on about her background and just how she got into the work that she does. But then uh, probably midway through, I ask her a lot of pointed questions about specifically what she's hearing from the people that she works with about how they're feeling right now and what challenges they're working through. So you're going to get a lot of great stuff in, in that section, probably midway through to the very end is where we really dive deep. So hope you enjoy the episode. I got a lot of great stuff coming. I have couple months of material recorded and I'm kind of just trickling these out every Tuesday. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. And then be sure to go to zenimhr.com forward slash blog. And there you'll find articles and other resources that are related to these episodes. So a lot of times we'll do a full recap. So if you don't want to listen to the full thing or you wanted to get a quote from what somebody said, like you can find it on our blog in text format. So hope you are enjoying these episodes. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, any of those places. And I'd love to connect with you. Have a great week and I'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Mallory, it's a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. What's your story? How did you get into coaching leaders? Yeah, so it's a long story, but I'm going to make it short just to honor our time. In 2014, I started having some health issues. And I was working for an engineering firm at the time, and those health issues were not going away. And I was doing everything I possibly could to make them go away, looking for medical help, you know, the whole nine. And I started learning about health and wellness on my own and doing a lot of self-education. And that was a very hard period of my life. But what that period opened doors for and allowed me to go deeper on and go further into is the coaching industry, how the mind and the body are connected, all these subconscious blocks that we carry in our mind that we don't see. And really, the health stuff was like a gateway into this world of everything that I do now. Yeah. And I feel like, especially with the work that you do with coaching leaders, you're probably spending a lot of time on just their, their own like balance with work and life, right? Like there's such yeah. a mental and health aspect and 
you got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of other people. So I imagine you spent a lot of time on that. Exactly. I started out with a health coaching certification. And that was just an entry to going, oh, my goodness, there's all of these certifications of how the brain works and how we make decisions and how our behavior actually works and what's really going on. But you're right. And the health component is still a part of it. Because if we don't have our health, we don't have anything. So often I find that a leader, a CEO, a business owner, if they're super overwhelmed, and they're stressed out, chances are they're not taking care of themselves too. So even though I don't necessarily market that as something that I'm working on with people, it's like a nine out of 10 that it comes up. Yeah, that's interesting. You're the host of a podcast called Abundantly Clear. When did you start that? And like, what do you cover on that podcast? Before we started talking, I really didn't know that you had a podcast, but I'd love to hear a little bit about it and how you started it. Absolutely. I started that podcast last, let's see, it was, what year is it? I'm all... The, 2020. <laughs> 2020. I think, no, I think most people want to erase 2020. I think let's just skip right to 2000. I know, I'm like, I don't even know what day it is. So I started that podcast December of 2018 and went through a rebrand. So if you go to the podcast now, it looks as if I started it last May. And what I really do on that show is I do really short solo Monday episodes that talk about mindset components and just changing your way of thinking. It comes from different things that I see either clients talking about, I myself thinking about, reading about the patterns that show up collectively in all of us. And then Wednesdays, I interview business owners and CEOs that have some type of transformative before and after story of doing their inner work and being able to really say, yes, this is how I lead now that I did my own work and my own leadership growth. And this is what changed for me. I really like to focus on that. Our shows align really well. What's different about my show versus yours? You do a lot of storytelling or you bring people on that can storytell beginning and end. Mine is really just expert interviews Mm -hmm. around certain topics about transforming the workplace. So what a nice pairing. I'm gonna have to check out your show. I appreciate you uh, shedding light on what you talk about there. Are they expert interviews for the most part? Or is it you doing kind of monologue type episodes as well? The Monday episodes are solo, the Wednesdays are interviews. And sometimes I do have experts on there as well. But most often, it's business owners and CEOs. And it's been a really fun experience. Actually, we just got listed on Forbes as a number one podcast for people that want to get unstuck that are feeling stuck in their career business, which was totally unexpected. I hadn't pitched to Forbes or anything like that. I had a friend tell me, Hey, did you know your podcast made it on this list? That's crazy. I was like, no, I didn't. That's phenomenal. Thank you for telling me. So as you know, because we both share the love for podcasting, it's just such a great way to really share what you want to share and build relationships with people. I've absolutely loved it. Yeah. I'm actually, I don't know if you want to share this, but I'm curious how many listeners or subscribers you think you have for your show. It's so like with podcasting, I think what people don't understand is, you know, the downloads, but you don't know how many people are actually subscribing. It's really challenging to know like who, who's actually listening to me. I know people listen. Is And I'm going to probably surprise you with this number because it's really small. And when I saw my podcast as number one, I was like, oh my gosh, there's oh, people my. on here that have, you know, 20, 30,000 downloads a month. Yeah. My podcast only gets about five to 6,000 downloads a month. I have a pretty small audience. My email list is pretty much That's inactive. Really it means you probably have a pretty loyal following. And that's how I've built my show as well. You know, that's what matters. 
every time I've veered towards trying to do some big like money into massive exposure or something, it always doesn't work for me. (laughs) But the more and more I focus on just sharing the message that I want to share and staying in that congruent alignment, it always works. It's funny, I'm in marketing, but yet I don't do a ton of marketing around the podcast is because I like the organic growth. I like the word of mouth. It's like if I stay true to the message that I'm trying to send, it should like spread to other people and it should organically grow. That's how I've grown it so far. Yeah, I could probably grow faster. You're probably thinking the same thing. With it's your- exactly oh. the same thing. It's like, what's really important to me having 20,000 listeners or having a balance of a happy life and clients that I love working with and the yeah. client thing hasn't seemed to slow down at all. So it's like, you got to look at where you're putting your energy. Let's talk about some of your client work. So you coach leaders. Do you consider yourself an executive coach? Is that how you would describe yourself? I would say that I'm more of an entrepreneurial coach, but I do have people in CEO positions that reach out for the same type of work. So one of the things that came up for me and just in prepping for this interview and wanting to talk to you is what is like, if you could boil it down to like a common challenge that leaders are experiencing right now, whether it's entrepreneurs or executives or just senior leaders, what are they experiencing right now? I mean, we're in the midst of a health crisis. There's social justice movement. I like I mentioned before we start recording, I'm in Oregon, there's wildfires happening like crazy. And it's just putting a lot of people out of work and people are evacuating their homes and stuff. There's a lot going on. And everybody's going through something. But I'm curious, like if you can boil it down to a couple things for leaders, what are they experiencing right now? I think everybody is experiencing a little more overwhelm than they're used to. Like you said, you know, even if your business is doing great or your company is experiencing growth and your career hasn't really changed at all, it's okay to acknowledge that you still are probably not getting the social time that you're used to. You're probably not still in your gym that you're used to going to. You're not going to your regular places. And I think for everybody, there is a degree of almost grief or loss that it's okay to acknowledge, you know, it doesn't mean that we have to victimize ourselves to what's going on. But that is part of the reality. As far as really what business owners are experiencing, and how it's affecting them, though, it really comes down to response. There are business owners that feel like this is just going to be the end all be all. And that's all mindset. Easier said than done, because there are a million things going on in this world. But everything that happens, the next 10 steps are a matter of how you're responding to this right now. And I think that's what we all have to remember. This year, this month, this day, no matter what it is that's going on, it's not permanent. Life does not work that way. It's not permanent. So how we are responding to this very stressful time in all of our lives is going to decipher how the next year pans out for us. Agree. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think with the, some of the work that you do with coaching, you focus on shedding light on the blind spots that leaders have. Mm-hmm. And if there's any blind spots right now, that if you could make leaders aware of those blind spots so they can be successful a year or two or three down the road, what are some of those things that they're not paying attention to that you usually uncover? Yeah. 
One of the things that I'm seeing a pattern of right now is that people are not paying attention to how much they're letting other people's energy and mindsets affect how they're responding to things right now. That's a very challenging position for a CEO, a COO, founder, and owner to be in, or somebody in a managerial position to be in. If you have a bunch of stress from the people on your team, if you cave to it, You've shifted the entire energy of the company. Absolutely. Right? You've shifted the entire energy of the company. So mindset is so incredibly important because it's not just you. It has a trickle effect and how you show up and how you respond and how you, you know, don't allow fear to dictate what's going to happen next week, next month, next year. That is going to raise everybody's ability to also go along in that energy and make decisions from that place. Because you and I both know if we decide it's not going to work, we're going to make sure that it doesn't work. So if a leader or a manager decides it's done, it's not going to work, what do you expect all of your employees or team members to think? They're going to respond exactly how you have. Yeah, so it's safe to say some of these blind spots, the effect that they have is that there's a trickle down effect. Yes. Yes. Your mindset as a leader will trickle down to the organization and those people will latch on to how you're feeling, what you're thinking, maybe even use the same words that you're using. Yes, absolutely. And the thing about blind spots, to get a little deeper on this, they don't really have anything to do with what's going on today. They don't really have to do with COVID. They don't really have to do with the fires. They don't really have to do with any of that. They have to do with our identity of how we see ourselves and how we see the world. And that goes back to childhood. So much of leadership, so much of decision-making and behavior goes back to how your brain was programmed between like zero and 11 years old. So even though it might sound like, you know, nope, life's real stressful. It's 2020. It's crazy. I don't have time to address that stuff. When you address that stuff, your response starts to change for the day-to-day stressors that are showing up. Yeah. So dive deeper on that. So mm-hmm. like, how do you turn these like blind spots into opportunities to where you can capitalize on it and say, you know what, we're going to grow as a result of this? Yes, absolutely. So I'll give you an example here as something that I've seen with a CEO recently. I've got someone that I know who's really been struggling to process any emotion. And Just kind of pretending like everything's fine, not really addressing the stress when it shows up, not really working through it or moving through it and kind of blindsiding it. And what kind of happens when we do that is we create these avoidance patterns and we start avoiding conflict or avoiding this conversation that we know that we need to be having or the to-do list of things that I need to avoid we become blind to because what we're doing is we're avoiding the emotion. We're not necessarily avoiding the action, but we're avoiding the emotion. So if we really have conversations with this person and look at the coaching work and understanding what identity does this person have? Where did this behavior come from? And looking a little further and going, oh, well, your parents avoided emotion. And that's why it's never been safe for you. That's why it's never actually been okay. So let's talk through that. Let's unpack that a little bit, see what the beliefs are, see what's going on there, and then come up with a game plan and a different frame of mind for you moving forward on how to not block yourself in this because the conversations really aren't as big of a deal as you think they are. It's just more the fear around, hey, I grew up in a house where nobody ever fought, nobody ever argued, and I don't know how to have healthy communication with people in a way that's actually effective. 
we talked earlier about leaders and even employees are just dealing with a lot right now. Mm-hmm. And leaders especially are at risk of burning out. I oh, think. 100%. They're just, they're probably thinking about work nonstop. They're trying to, you know, do the homeschooling thing right now. They're trying to run a business. They're doing all these things, right? And so burnout is a real issue. What's a method for dealing with burnout? Is it simply just being aware of it and making change? Is it something bigger than that? There's a couple things to this, but part of it's very cliche. If your cup isn't full, you aren't filling anybody else's up. And that is as simple as looking at your calendar and saying, where am I giving time for myself? Where am I giving... You're saying schedule it. In the calendar. I mean, actually put a block in the calendar of time that's like me and me. Whatever that looks like. You know, a lot of people thrive on these rigid 75 hard or like morning routines. I'm going to do my workout and meditation and this and that. If that's for you, go for it. For me, I just need the space and the time. It's a little bit different every day for me. But part of burnout really is looking and making sure, you know, leaders are holding so much space for so many people, more than ever. And making sure that all of that stress and all of that stuff that you're holding on to and you're carrying, somehow it's getting emptied out every day, every week, so that you don't get to the end of the month and go, oh my gosh, I can't even hear myself think anymore. Because you're carrying all of the stuff from all of these other people around you. It's so true. Like, Not only are they carrying the weight of the issues that people are experiencing inside their organization, there's so much fighting for their attention. There's so much information. There's a thousand emails. There's just the expectations too. Like, do you ever go on LinkedIn and see how many of those stupid memes are out there where it's like, oh, if you haven't done XYZ before 5 a.m., you're a failure, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yes, which is why you laughed when I said the 75 hard thing because you know people are so hard on themselves with that kind of thing. (laughs) They are. Like, what's wrong with just, you know, sleeping until 7 (laughs) a.m.? You know, like getting sleep is important. That should be on the list of fighting burnout. <laughs> exactly. And you know, I, <laughs> I'm i not an expert in this, but I do want to share a little personal experience that I have with homeschooling because so many people are homeschooling their kids right now. Yeah. And there's a lot of fear. I've heard this one a lot. There is a lot of fear. I'm going to screw up my kids because I'm not doing this homeschooling thing right. And this year, they're not getting what they need in the education system. And it's going to be my fault right? Because CEOs, natural born leaders, the last thing that they want to do is screw up their children. One year is not going to do that. I mean, I cannot emphasize this enough. This is going through my head right now. Like (laughs) one year is not going to do it. We're homeschooling our kids this year. My wife's doing a homeschool curriculum and first time we're doing this, she's going to be great. I'm just worried about the kids like not having social Like, and that's weighing on me. Like, I can't stop thinking about it. (laughs) I don't have children. So it sounds like I don't know what I'm talking about. And I know you completely you talk talk (laughs) with people who have kids. So, you know, it's impossible for one year to really do that to a kid. And I was homeschooled. I was homeschooled for many years. Mm -hmm. I ended up finishing high school in three years. I, I turned out all right. I'm 30 years old. I've got a good business. I turned out okay everything's fine. And I think there is so much fear around the homeschool child, if they're gonna, you know, succeed in life and be able to have a normal routine and fit in and all this stuff. But your kids are going to be okay. They really are. 
of the leaders you talk to, just going back to them, how many of them would say at this moment that they're doing the work that they enjoy and is fulfilling to them? Oh, that's a great question. Client-wise, I have a couple people that are going through some major pivots. Mm, in their and, business model or just them? Yes, in their business model. Mm -hmm. And I think that to answer that question raises another thing that we can talk about. And, and that is, if you're not doing what you love, why would you wait for any other time than now when things are <laughs> right. already as crazy as they are? That one more thing on that. top of it. Right. Because even though it might seem like things are just dark, there's always light. The world doesn't work just one way. Where there's dark, there's light. Where there's light, there's dark. And we have to remember that in times of low, again, that's not permanent. So maybe now is the time that you start listening to that voice and you start acknowledging if this is more than overwhelm, if I'm actually just not happy with this business model or this thing that I'm doing, and now I'm at home and I'm not on an airplane every other week and I'm not as distracted as I was last year, maybe it's time for me to give myself an opportunity to pivot or do something different that's more aligned with what I really want to be doing. How do leaders define success? Because we throw around that word a lot. I want to be successful and you know, achieving success and all that stuff. But like, how do leaders know that they are successful, especially when they're feeling oh. burned out or not fulfilled and, and all those other things? Like, those two things don't go together. I mean, I think most leaders don't know how to define success because the ladder just keeps moving. And that's part yeah. of the problems. And one of the, I might answer the burnout question a little differently if we weren't talking so much about COVID and what 2020s brought us and all the chaos. But if your bar is always raising to the next thing, and as soon as you reach a goal, you've got another one, and you're not even present long enough to acknowledge the goal that you've just reached, you're also going to burn out. Yeah. So that's a great question. How are leaders and how is anybody defining success? It should not be defined just by a monetary goal or just by how many things you've accomplished. It should also be defined by how much you enjoy the things that you're doing. And do you really love the impact that you're making. And not everybody needs to go out and make a big business that has the intention of saving the world because there's also dangers in that. But are you allowing yourself to do what you really feel called to do in the purpose that you want to live? And for some people, that's I love marketing and I love helping businesses with their marketing. And that's a transformative experience for them. For others, they want to do something different. It doesn't matter. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that as far as What's the framework that I should look at? I think it's about listening and knowing how to acknowledge what's going on inside to see, am I making decisions and am I taking action aligned to what I really want to be doing and what's going on in here? For the leaders that you speak with, and maybe even you've collected data on this, how are the good leaders balancing work and life? If there's any tips or tricks that they have, they figured out, or maybe you even advise them on to make sure that that work's not bleeding too much into life. Or maybe it's just truly an integration. It's like, hey, look, I'm going to be 100% in work right now. You know, the next hour, I'm going to be 100% into personal life, whether it's family or whatever. Like, how do they balance those two? And what does that all look like? Mm -hmm. I believe in really good cutoff hours. So I work with my clients on that as well. 
looking at the end of the day and saying, you know, what realistically is a time of day where you can say, I am done for the day, whatever comes through my email, comes through my text messages. You know, we have a million different software platforms that we use and we receive messages on Slack channel, whatever it may be. Yeah. I'm not responding to this until tomorrow. And I think that working from home has presented its own challenges in that people that were not used to working from home, they're trying to figure out how to have that boundary with work and with play or personal life or homeschooling their kids or all of the above. And it's really, really important to look at the schedule and make sure that you're operating it in the same way that you would if you were leaving for work and coming home. I don't think that without healthy habits and just, well, I'll do work when the time presents itself and I'll work Friday afternoon if it's open. I don't think that's very effective. I think it's really, really important for us to be block scheduling and have a really good framework of time so that we can honor and acknowledge where we're keeping our own boundaries. You have an assessment on your website. And I don't know if it's like usually to kick off a relationship with you and engagement with you. But there's a question on there that you... Oh, see. I didn't get your response. Looks like someone went through the assessment. I did it this morning. I was, looking, I was looking at all the questions. I wanted to get a sense yeah. of how your brain was working. Mm-hmm. There's one question that really stuck out to me, though. And it said that if you could change one thing about your business and you knew it'd make a lasting impact, I want to know what answers you get for that. Oh, I want to know it. if people answer it the same or if it's really specific to their situation yeah. or... I don't know, just share some of those thoughts. With me. Such a good question. Such a good question. Everyone always has a very specific answer. Okay. So where my job, what that tells me is I need to help this person understand why they're not allowing themselves to take this step. Right. So it's an action oriented yep. thing. It's like always. they are scared about yep. something. But letting letting people down. I mean, they have people that work for them. So maybe it is about letting people down or maybe it's financial hardship. I'm curious if like, do those things come out? Do they say what they're scared about and why they're not taking action? No, they don't always say what they're scared about. Actually, that assessment, to be honest, it's really interesting. I'll have people that will go through that assessment and I can read every question and I'm like, yes, I get you. I get you wholeheartedly. All of the answers are very well thought out and I can feel their emotion through it. And then sometimes there are people that are, it's like one sentence and I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm supposed to think about. This is so small. But to answer that last one further, it is usually a very descriptive, I would do XYZ thing, like they've already thought about it, they already know, they already see the future, they've already envisioned themselves in that place. But they just haven't done it. So your job is to nudge them forward. Or to figure out why they they shouldn't do it. Yeah, maybe there's some cases where they shouldn't do it. Maybe they should just not take it. Maybe it it would provide hardship one way or another. And maybe your job is to figure out why they shouldn't do it. Well, that's a good point. And I'd like to elaborate on that a little bit. I think when people go through transitional periods in their own life, sometimes it gets a little messier before it gets better. Right. And that is very scary for some people to say, I want to make this pivot but I want it to be exactly how my life is now. And I want to be making the income that I'm making now. And I want to have the schedule that I have now. That's sometimes that's not reality. If you really want to make a pivot in a transitional way, 
it might be harder for a little while. So have you thought that through? Are you prepared for that? Do you have the finances ready for it? Do you have an action plan? Do you have the ability to kind of see, I might go down a little before I go up, but I'm okay with that because it's more important to me that when we have this conversation 12 months, 16 months from now, I did do it. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap this up, I want to ask you about, you know, one thing that you'd leave leaders with who are probably going through a hard time right now. A lot of people I know are going through a hard time. So what's something they could do right away? Or what's action that they can take that would help them clear the noise a little bit, find balance in their life, take action? Mm-hmm. Just any little tip that you could provide that would leave them with something. Yeah. I think that it's really challenging in a time like this to not be future pacing all the time and to not be thinking always, you know, you're waking up in the morning and you're already thinking about the next six months. You're already thinking about what's going to happen in springtime with the company. You're already thinking about, you know, a million decisions that you're going to have to make over the next 365 days. I think it's really, really important to have your game plan. I'm not saying that you just make decisions by the seat of your pants, but 24 hours, know what are you committing to like for the next week? What needs to be done right now? What needs to be addressed today so that you can really acknowledge what you're responding to? Because most people that are really stressed and really overwhelmed, if they're quiet and if they dig a little deeper, they'll acknowledge they're actually responding to something much bigger than what they really need to be responding to right now. Okay, last thing. Give me your book recommendation for leaders. Yeah, I know absolutely. you. I know you have one. Yeah, I do. Leadership and self deception. Who's that written by? The Arbinger Institute. It's okay. very good. Very very good. It's a good framework for leaders. It really helps you understand and identify a little bit of emotional intelligence in decision making and how you know you're showing up to team. I guess I will have to buy it yet again another book. <laughs> Well, I've this, heard that you like to read. I like to read. I have this habit of just buying a ton of books and some of them I get to and others that just sit in my library and whatever. Do you audible ever? Or do you like to read? I all do things? all platforms. So all, yeah, I get physical copies uh-huh. sent to me a lot for the podcast. And I like reading physical books, but it's hard to take notes on. So mm-hmm. I often would rather have a Kindle version because I can highlight and then it's just easy to call upon the notes. So that's my process. And then I do Audible when I'm in the car, which I'm not in the car a whole lot anymore. But yeah, I'm always reading one of each format usually. I kind of do the same thing. Yeah, it's... I mean, it takes a little bit longer to to read the books that way. But all at once, it's like, oh, wow, I just finished three books. You right, know? Because right. you tend to finish them all at kind of the same time, it seems like. That is true. Know. Well, Mallory, it has been an absolute pleasure. I loved the conversation we had. I will have to connect again. I mean, it has been a lot of fun. So where can people learn more about you, what you're up to, what social media platforms you're on, anything like that? Yeah, if you want to take the assessment, because we did talk about that, you can go to AbundantlyClearPodcast.com. That'll take you to my website. It's the quickest and easiest way. And go to the Blind Spot Assessment and fill that out and I'll be in touch with you. Or you can listen to my show, AbundantlyClearPodcast.com or any major podcasting platform. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. 